We will not prematurely or unnecessarily risk the course of worldwide nuclear war in which even the fruits of victory would be ashes in our mouth. But neither will we shrink from that risk at any time it must be faced. It was these words from President John F. Kennedy on October 22, 1962, that were broadcast to millions around the world in the midst of the Cuban Missile Crisis, a nuclear showdown between the United States and the Soviet Union. Today, the international community finds itself in much different and more complex times. North Korea, now led by Kim Jong-un, boasts frightening and unforeseen nuclear advancements. The possibility that Pyongyang will have the ability to reach the United States with a nuclear weapon is no longer a frightening what-if, but a matter of time. News of these developments has left Washington several steps behind Pyongyang. While threats and promises of retaliation continue to mount from both the US and North Korea, there is a bigger picture to consider, one that goes beyond daily tweets and headlines. Nuclear and global security expert Simon Palomar is here to shed some light onto the complex web of players and intentions at play and provide some insight into the diplomatic realities in the region when it comes to this issue. So what are we talking about when we say North Korea, we talk about its nuclear weapons program, we talk about its ballistic missile program? What's important to remember is that both the nuclear weapons program in North Korea and the ballistic missile program have been going on for years. Some analysts date them back to the Cold War. And while North Korea has been fairly successful at building nuclear weapons, they first tested one in 2006, it's always looked as if there's time to come up with a solution to the North Korean problem. Now, all of this started to change in the last couple of years. The missile tests are being more successful. You saw fewer failures at launch. You saw longer-range missiles flying into the air. So what we saw recently were successful intercontinental ballistic missile tests where the missile, at least in theory, looks like it can reach the continental United States. These blew a lot of timelines out of the water. Even the United States Defense Intelligence Agency was still predicting that an ICBM was at least two, three years off in the future, closer to 2020 than 2017, for example. So this has taken the United States by surprise. And U.S. policy is behind the ball. It is not caught up with events in the real world. Secretary of State Rex Tillerson still talks about denuclearizing the Korean Peninsula. In the United Nations, we're still talking about denuclearizing North Korea, rolling back their nuclear program. It's one thing to talk about rolling back North Korea's nuclear program when what they have is a nuclear program, when they're trying to build a nuclear bomb. It's another thing to get them to give it up once they've achieved that objective. It's much harder to get somebody to give something up than to get them to promise to not do something in the first place. And that's where we are now. The politics of North Korea's nuclear weapons program are far more complex than nuclear politics were during the Cold War. When the USSR and the United States had a showdown in 1962 over Soviet attempts to put nuclear missiles in Cuba, the dynamics were fairly clear. There were other players involved. There were the Cubans. There were America's allies. But ultimately, it was about whether or not Moscow and Washington come to an agreement. Nowadays, when we talk about North Korea, we can't just talk about Pyongyang and Washington. Other countries in the region have a huge amount to lose as well. China, for example. The United States expects that China is going to take the steps that are necessary to, to rein in North Korea to get them to change their nuclear policy. Uh, again, Secretary of State Tillerson has emphasized that you know, 90% of North Korea's trade is with China. 
China, this is an issue that concerns them. But they don't want a reunified Korean peninsula that is allied with the United States. So China has a tremendous amount to lose. Uh, South Korea, of course, has a tremendous amount to lose. They are at the front lines of this. They are still technically in a state of war with North Korea. This was a civil war. It was a bitter war. It's a war that's in the memory of many Koreans. And they know very well that were there ever hostilities on the Korean peninsula, they'd be well, they'd be in the thick of it. They'd be fighting that war. Japan, likewise, has a, a troubled history with China, has a troubled history with North Korea. Uh, the United States is a treaty ally to Japan, and Japan is in the, of the firing line of you know, North Korean missiles. They want to know very well what the United States is going to do about this, and they want to have some say in what happens since it is in their backyard. So right off the bat, you can't boil it down to Pyongyang and Washington. It's exceptionally complex. For more research and analysis on Asia-Pacific security, visit cgonline.org. That's C-I-G-I online.org.